everybody, and welcome to another edition of our weekly podcast called RZ Weekly, uh, which discusses religious Zionism, modern orthodoxy, and many things in between, many things in addition. Discusses many things. I'm here to discuss those many things with Rabbi Johnny Solomon. Also together with us is Harabanit Mali Bravsky. How are you, Harabanit Mali? Baruch Hashem. How are you? Yeah, Harab Johnny, you ready? So today we're going to discuss the notion of the complicated relationship between Israel and the diaspora and the, and the, the, the interaction between them. So the motivation for this is a, a bill submitted to the Knesset by Blue and White M.K. Tehila Friedman, who happens to be the, the Minister of Diaspora Affairs, Full of disclosure, I used to work for a program that was supported, funded by the Ministry of Diaspora Affairs. I'm actually a pretty big supporter of the ministry's work. I think they do very good work. I was, for, for the way, from what I see of government, I was very, very impressed with the work that they did. She came in well after. I was under the, 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 the rubric of Naftali Bennett, but we'll, we'll see the here or there. Anyway, she submitted a bill, okay, which suggested that in matters, the bill would propose would have to, would have, would, there would be what's called a diaspora commissioner or something like that. And the bill, it's not really, I don't really understand how it would work, but it proposed that in legislation with regard to laws that affected the Jewish community or the Jewish world outside of Israel, that the Jewish, that the, the, the Knesset would consult with the Jewish communities outside of the Jewish state in order to get their input. Now, they wouldn't have any say in the final bill, but in some way there would be some consultation with communities around the world. Friedman said, the situation where Israel makes key decisions impacting the Jewish world without listening cannot go on. Checking does not mean accepting, but it must hear the voice of the Jewish diaspora. Now, uh, we're going to talk about A, well, I'm sure there's, there's a lot of issues to talk about. One, the politics, like what, how in the world would this work? But before that, it raises the, the, the truth, the absolute truth, that we now live in a, Jew, a global Jewish community, whereas before Israel could do something and the United States would kind of find out about it and argue about it later, there was a delay and there was a dissonance between the communities. Now the connection is instantaneous, the connection is direct. And what happens here has direct impact on what happens in the, in, the, in the Jewish world around us, the reaction we have to the Jewish world, and it affects Jews as well. So, Molly, I'll go to you first. Okay. When we, what do you, I want to leave the, again, the bill aside, because the bill is, I'm not going to call it silly, but it's impractical and impossible. Okay, so we all know it's never going to pass. It was the idea of a conversation starter. So thank you very much, uh, Minister of Diaspora Affairs Friedman. Let's start the conversation. Molly, do you think that the diaspora communities should have an input on decisions Israel makes uh, internally, certain decisions that have an effect on the world, Jewish world at large? Okay, so I think even the way you ask the question like, holds within it the complexity of this whole issue. Should they have input, right? Well, now define input. Right, which is why we won't go into the politics of the bill, but which is why I think the bill raises people's eyebrows and hackles, including mine, because um, I, I, I don't, first of all, I think that Israel should have autonomy about its own decisions. I think that, um, you know, creating some kind of legal mechanism where all of a sudden you have wait, to wait, consult did you, another did you country. Vote in America's elections? Did you vote in America's okay, elections? Okay, so fine. So we're not going to get into that conversation, but, but you could <laughs> but make, yeah, listen, but, that is, that, <laughs> but maybe you could argue that I shouldn't have voted in American elections. It could be. I also think that like when you have a cultural problem, the solution, when, when you try to solve cultural problems with legal, with, with governmental solutions, it's not usually successful. Usually the best way to solve cultural problems is through cultural mediums and means. Well, government um, knows how to do is to legislate. Government doesn't that's, deal with Okay, that. so maybe some things should not be, the solutions should not be governmental. Maybe some should. I'm not saying, you know, government should never be involved in anything, but I'm saying this impulse that government's going to solve the problem is, it, to my mind, often not the solution when the issues are cultural, um, sociological. I, I, I don't know if that's so, fair, because the government of Israel is the biggest, largest entity of the Jewish world Okay, so, so but again, but, but with, I don't think, its, but legislation its, isn't the solution. Using, you talked about this in your, uh, you know, you had this 
you know, you Shuki Friedman wrote something and you responded. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have organizations that are even, let's say, government funded or government programs that foster. And so this is now I'm answering your question. Should that should we foster communication, communication between Israel and the diaspora? Absolutely. Is there value for that? A hundred percent. Are there things and maybe I don't know when you want to talk about this, but are there things that I think Israel can gain from learning more about diaspora culture, diaspora reality? 100%. That's been like an issue for me forever. Like I, I always say, like, I realized this about Israel when I started to go to my kids' gone parties. And like, this is the history of the Jewish people, according to Israeli Gananot. We were in biblical times. We went out of Mitzrayim. Um, then there was Gullus, which is like, you know, nothing, just like some like, you know, a picture of an old lady go, you know, like making Shabbos candles. And now we're back in Eretz Israel. Like they have, they, it's like, can you please like relate to the 2000 years of richness, creativity, uh, growth, Mesiris Nefesh, um, intellectual, spiritual output that happened in the diaspora. Don't just skip over the diaspora Jews because like we're in this country. Then remember, we weren't in this country for a little bit. Now we're back and they miss that entire middle. And I think that's very impoverishing for Israelis. So I think I'd like to frame the conversation by first saying I think there's a tremendous amount that Israelis can gain by learning about and interfacing with and dialoguing with diaspora Jewry. Wait, wait, wait a second. I have to stop you. I I want you to continue. But just you had you, you put a thought in my mind. Israelis have to belittle diaspora life because if they didn't in their minds belittle it, they often wonder why they're not living there. But go okay. on, I'm saying. Okay, but, so, 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 so Johnny, that's a that's so, why does that have to be belittled? Right, Johnny sent a beautiful quote. Because right, if diaspora by, life is rich Jewish life that should be venerated and honored, why are we suffering to be here? But because... Because I'm sorry, finish your thought about Okay, I want to go back to that because Johnny sent us a beautiful quote by Jonathan Sachs, which I do want to reference, uh, where he says, and I think this is also an important point, and and maybe this is a way to get into what I want to say, which is um, we have to think carefully about how we frame the conversation between diaspora Jewry and Israeli Jewry. Um, And and, and, and like, what's the point of the dialogue and, and what's the relationship between the two sides? And it could be that Israelis see it differently and diaspora Jews, certainly American diaspora Jews, see things differently. But I, I think that like to me, when I was thinking about it, it put us put me back in last week's conversation. You know, the Rav's thing about confrontation, which is like you you can have dialogue but you're entitled to have your own autonomous position that doesn't necessarily have to change, right? So like I'm very interested, and I don't remember who this quote was from. I don't know if this was Rabbi Sachs or it was um, somebody who responded to your quote, which was excellent, from Sohar. What was his name? Daniel Gold. Oh, Daniel Friedman, not from Sohar, from Gesher. No, from Gesher. I don't mean Sohar. I don't think it was Friedman. What, what was his name? Daniel Goldman. Daniel Goldman. Goldman. Sorry, Daniel, Daniel Goldman. Goldman. He, said, he said something like, the, the, the message should be that we care about each other. Right. But if I care about you and I'm empathetic to you and I'm even open to listening to your issues and perhaps even accommodating some of your issues. But that's a different approach. Whoa, 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 whoa. one second, one second. You just said two different things and I have to turn to Johnny because we're going on a little long. OK, are, let, but, let's define. We're not we're not okay, like, you know, Chucky Friedman's article was like about international politics and and liberals. I, I, in America. I'm just saying, and there's of a, course, I'm not suggesting by any way, stretch or for, uh, shape that we should now go engage and, 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 you know, reach out to the Palestinians because American Jews are upset about that. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't think anybody... No, but I think about. we do have but to say there, clearly... there are different kinds of issues. There's like issues of, you know, internal security that Americans are passionate about for reasons that are, that are, that are whatever, they're internal Internal politics. security? What does that mean? Yeah, what issues mean? of internal Israeli security, for example. How we deal with the Palestinian threat. How we deal with, you know, the two-state solution. International politics. Right, so what I, well, that's, that's, that's what I want to say. I, I'm happy to thing. listen. But then there are Jewish issues, like the Kotel Compromise, like, the, you know, the right of return, like Jewish identity, like things that really affect the way Jews think about themselves in the world based on the state of Israel, Jewish issues. And, and, and you know, I, okay, I mean, so again, but what I'm saying that, to you is that affects people that that directly I, I, what, I agree. What the state of Israel decides and how who is a Jew, it directly affects the identity of a Jew living in, I don't know, San Antonio, Texas, or, 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 or so Reed I'm saying I'm very into dialogue and listening and empathy and understanding and probably 
you're, I would agree with you that there are, let's say at the Kotel, I would be like, you know, I'm with Natan Sharansky. Like, let's find a solution that really works. But at the same time, I am very wary and I'm aware of the reality on the ground. The reality of the ground is that Israel and, and the vast majority of American Jews, right? The, the 70% of American Jews who are not, at least, not, um, you know, who could define themselves as progressive are on a very different they're in a very different headspace. They're in a very different trajectory. They're, they're, they have a very different perspective than the majority of Israelis. And that's going to cause clashes. And I want to make sure that my attitude isn't an attitude that, that says, well, just because you're unhappy with me, that must mean that I'm wrong or that I have to, I have to make sure that I'm, that I'm not insulting you. Maybe I feel differently than you, and maybe that's okay, and maybe we won't agree, and maybe you won't be happy with what I have to say, and that's okay too. I can care about you, and I can love you, and we can still disagree, and I think that that does have to be said because there are too many issues that are contentious. I mean, you're thinking about all the issues that are solvable I mean, and that are lovable. I'm going to go to Johnny because it's not fair. Yeah. You didn't answer my question. Should what was we your consult question? with them? Should they have input about these issues? So Johnny. again, should they have... It- uh, should yes. we cons- no should- consult? No, communicate, dialogue. Yes, consult means it sounds like you're a partner who has a stake. No, you. you well, oh, that's a, a little harsh. How, how did they not have a stake in the coattail the same way that you and I have a stake in the coattail? Honestly, uh, I mean, I'm not again. I'm not talking about issues of 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 national security and 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 peace of the Palestinians. But they don't, they don't have, have a stake in. I'm not, no, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. You'd have to think about how, I don't know. I'd have to think about that question. Do they have a stake in the cult of the same way? Do we do? Right, it's Johnny. a good question. Sitting so, right. so patiently. So I, I haven't heard a word from him. It's 11 minutes in. Uh, and he's ready well, to attack us, apparently. <laughs> he's, he, he should have said something. I'm serious. I don't like it's okay. It's all, yeah, you know, well, uh, well, the whole point, by the way, if you should have said something, that undermines this whole conversation. <laughs> That's right. You should have said something. Because what, <laughs> no, because what we're actually saying is, we're going to create a law to give you permission to talk. You know what? If communities outside of Israel have things to say, they could say it right now. Right? Nobody's stopping that. The whole idea of the law is, as Mali says, somewhat curious. And so let me just tell you my issue with this, because I want to call out something, yet notwithstanding knowing precisely the facts and precisely the numbers. So, and anybody who wants to query me, I did a math degree, so I understand numbers and percentages. Why do I mention that? Because the bill is being talked about as a diaspora bill and yet both in what you just said ruby what you just said mali and shuki friedman's article in your rebuttal all of you are pretty much entirely talking about north american jury and by i'm well aware of why that would be the case i'm well aware that we're talking about almost 50 percent uh sorry sorry we're talking about about 5.7 million jews apparently but let's be perfectly clear some of those are not identifying as jews and you're not talking about lakewood jews and you're not talking about crown height jews but the problem of this conversation is this isn't a conversation about diaspora jury because if i would say to you that the 116,000 jews in germany have an opinion about israel you'd say forget about it if i'd say to you that the 180,000 jews in in Argentina have a position, you'd say, come on, we've got a state of Israel. You know, the British community, 260,000, you'd say you're small peoples, right? Canada, 390, France, 450,000. Let's be perfectly clear, this isn't a diaspora bill. This is a conversation which by, I, I've got no beef having it. I think it's perfectly fair to have this discussion, but let's call a spade a spade. This is a question of whether a large proportion of of money giving supporters of Israel in North America should have a voice in certain decisions in the state of Israel. And nobody's really talking about diaspora jury, because I think if I were to make the argument that those other countries or those populations would be able to have a position on matters of national interest, most people would say, don't be silly. This isn't about the diaspora. This isn't about jury globally. And this isn't about opinions that matter to diaspora jury. It's about a certain Johnny, you're never this cynical. You're never that. Wow. But no, but he's right. No, he's right. I don't think he's, he's, don't think he's, he's right at all. He's completely personally, right. He's tearing the mask off of this. There are a whoa, bunch whoa, whoa, whoa. of crabby, liberal, well, progressive Jews in America who legitimately feel disenfranchised by Israel. And they... We, we and, and they're right, and we have we have we have to deal with that, that problem. True, but well, I, I have By I the way, one who well, well, give me a second. Episode, and we said you to England, second. and we spent most of our money in South okay, America, and they said we don't need you to work in North America because uh, we already. Which is all beautiful, but Johnny's right. That's not this bill. This bill is a political bill. I was part of these mishlachot. What I'm saying to you is the following. Again, let's be. I'm not. I didn't read the bill. What I can tell you is, I read Shuki Friedman's headline. I read Ruben Spolter's headline. This is Ruben Spolter just now. I'm just now. 
I know all four of you, again, and this isn't because I'm aggrieved as European. I, again, I understand percentages and numbers, and it's totally fine to say that the largest Jewish community who give the most amount of money and support to Israel should take a stronger interest and have every right to do so. What I'm saying is, don't kid yourself that this is a diaspora bill. Don't kid yourself that this is a nuanced political question about whether Jews outside of Israel should have a voice. It's a question of whether a certain group of people outside of Israel, of a certain milieu, not all, because again, you're not discussing Lakewood, you're not discussing Crown Heights. We're talking about primarily Reform, Conservative, and Zionist Orthodox in North America, which is not, by the way, the 5.7 million, right? It's actually a much, much smaller number. And you and I both know that actually makes America less strong than people would like to claim. Uh, can they have a voice and should they have a voice about matters of national interest? Now, that, again, the philosophical question of yes or no is okay. It's fine. But please, please don't call it a diaspora bill as if you're prepared to ask France with their third largest diaspora community, sorry, second largest community in the world, 450,000, it's going down rapidly, whether they think, have an opinion about the government in Israel, about how the cartel runs. That's not the question, right? So this is to do with money, this is to do with influence, and I would say the following, going back to our last conversation about evangelicals. We talked there about how people give money, but that shouldn't presume they can have influence. Here, underpinning this conversation is people who give money Surely should. It's so not, I, I so actually, make your mind up. I totally disagree with your premise. I totally disagree. Yeah, I don't, go for it. I don't think uh, this is about money at all because it's coming from a place, uh, from a person, from a government where they don't need that money. She doesn't, the Minister of Diaspora Affairs doesn't need that money. Her job, her goal, the goal of that office is to maintain a connection between, between the state of Israel, the people of Israel, and the Jewish people around the world. Now, you could this be right. Wait, wait, it's bah, not bah, bah, connection bah, bah, bah. here. You could be this right. It's about policy making. You, you could be right. Ruby, the people right. who are having a problem are the people that Johnny is talking Hold about. On. It's you not like the right French Jews say. are very crabby about the way the Israeli government policy is in the occupied territories. Right? We're not hearing French Jews talking about there's this tremendous rift and divide between our reality and but the right wing government about, of Israel. Again, agreed. But again, it's not about money per se. It's about the fact that, 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 that more and more studies show that American Jews, however you define them, are becoming increasingly not just enchanted by, but disinterested by and uninfluenced by and disconnected from the state of Israel. And right, it, so and call it an American jury bill. And I'd say, fantastic, you're being honest, but don't pretend it's a diaspora okay, jury great. bill. Okay, great, American jury bill, great. Fine. But, but, but it's honest, not man. about money. It's not American money. I really don't think it's about the money. I really don't. I, I very much right. think it's about money. Very it's very about lobbying. No, but it is also about lobbying. It's about congressional pressure. It is. It's a. It's very frightening. I think that's a very. I think it's. Ruby, I really it's do. quite I mean, scary that that. I, that think, I think it's very cynical. I happen to think, and I, maybe I'm being naive. I'll, I'll, I'll acknowledge I my naivete. It, I think there's a level of uh, a desire, and a sort of altruism to say. This is her way of saying your voice is important to us because when you have a say, it's more you you care about why it more. is American voice is why more is important it? than French Jewish voices or Canadian Jewish voices or British Jewish By the way, voices? No, Cana I don't think you're right. I think Canadians included in America. Right. No, but Ruby, the answer well, is oh, because tell, tell Canadians. It used right? to be but, that Israel was a bipartisan issue, Toronto right? Toronto is the suburb of Cleveland. Come on. No, but Ruby, <laughs> think about the fact. Do you not find <laughs> it scary? As the Israeli, he thinks Toronto is in America. Right. He doesn't Canada, America. <laughs> England for sure okay. not. England for sure not. It's on. It's in Europe. They don't. They don't know. But again, again, just be honest about what it is. And my again, I have no. Uh, no, no, but you, you framed it in terms of money, John. Wait, wait, it's Ruby. Not, can I, I say something about that I money issue? It, I framed it in terms. It's of not country, just money. It's right? politics and so influence. Off. We're again, so off. when we're we were so all off. started talking about how what? No, but it's not off because okay, I'll tell you why. Because when when you th when when I think about this issue, right? So I remember when like um, there, all of a sudden we're like, wahoo! All these Republicans are so pro-Israel. And somebody I was very uh, very close to in respect said, this is not a good thing. Israel becoming a partisan issue is not a good thing. Israel used Absolutely. to be a bipartisan Absolutely. issue. Agreed. And that's dangerous. So, you know, all this rah-rah, we're, you know, Yahoo, as you know, you asked me last week about Trump on the White House lawns, Davening Mincha, there's a, there's a, downside to that and so totally but that's, i was very okay. involved in apec when i was in america right and bipartisanship is one of the fundamental principles and it's of. becoming eroded and that's scary so that's not directly about money but it is about 
the relationship, the special relationship, as it's been called, between Israel and America being important, and the fact that American Jewry has always played a role in making sure that that stays oh, important. Agreed, agreed. That's part okay. of it. But I think it's, it's, a, it's not just because we want you to have your influence in Congress. Like I said, the, the evangelicals are more important. But it's, we want you to feel connected. We, we need there to be a Jewish I, I people. I think you, Ruby, and I think it's a beautiful thing. And if this is the conversation you want to have, we can have it. But I think you, having been an American rabbi and working in this area, I think you have a window into this much less, um, whatever you want to call it, much less political world, much less partisan world. You have a window into just the average Jew, and you, and I think... My impression is your heart goes out to them and you, you really just want to create connections with diaspora Jewry for the sake of Am Yisrael, right? For the sake of the Jewish people, which is beautiful. We can have that conversation. But that's the, the, way, the reason this conversation right, if you is... If you want to say but is, politics is jaded and it's all zero-sum, I'll agree that there's... But, but it's all the same thing. Meaning, if the Jewish people become more disconnected and we care less about the... And, and Jews in, in America or America Haktanab in, in Toronto, if they think, um, that's for Johnny, if, they, if, if they're not connected to the Jewish people, we are less strong. We're less strong in many different ways. We're that's less strong, true. not just spiritually, we're less strong politically, we're less that's strong true. financially, we're less strong in many different ways. But the ways. solution is not to say that we all have to agree politically. The solution is, as it you're saying... It did not say agree, it said uh, consult. It said take into uh, account. It said that you, what you think should happen that affects you. Let's, be, let, let's take a move back a little bit. Right. Do, we, do Israelis think that the state of Israel is, is the state, like, you know, as, as, uh, as Daniel Friedman wrote so beautifully, do they think the state of Israel is the, uh, is the Medina Shalama Yehudi? Okay, so you, yes said, no? before, they wait, do. you said to they me, well, do I vote? The state One second. Of the Jewish you said people. to me, do I vote in American elections, right? And I, I would say back to you. No, no, no you, you didn't answer my question. Wait, no, I want to, I will. I'm going, I want to answer your question because what, I, what I would say to you is. Exactly. I, I, will, I do vote in American elections, but I will only vote, or, you know, in, in general, I vote in American elections. Um, I, I would only, I, I don't, I agree that the American, the, the American critique of Israelis who are, let's say, only voting for one candidate because of his view on Israel, that's a legitimate critique. I don't think it's fair for Israelis in America who have American citizenship to vote in an American election just on the one Israel issue. That I don't think is fair. I think an American has the right to make that decision. I don't think an Israeli has the right to make that decision. So what I would say is it's complex. So do American Jews have a stake in Israel the way... So, so if I vote in an American election, it's because I feel that I'm voting not just on the Israel issue. I'm, I might be voting on much larger issues about the future of America as a country, right? So I feel like here too, you're, like... You're too far afield. Go, come back. No, it's not far afield because as what a, I'm saying is... an American Jew living in St. Petersburg, Florida have a stake in the direction, the Jewish direction that the Jewish state takes vis-a-vis -vis Jews around the world? He can give his opinion. He, he should be consulted, but oh, I don't think he... There we go. I don't he think... What? But I don't think he has a shareholder stake. No. I didn't say I didn't. I don't think he gets to vote. Mistake. He should be. He didn't say vote. Should he be consulted? So you think yes? I think he, he should, should be consulted because be, be, that's, that's like out of the goodness of our hearts because number. we want to be a state for everybody. But it's not like we owe it to anybody. No, uh, we don't. You're, you, you're counting on that guy's support in Congress. You're no, counting I'm, on him being it, there for it, the Jewish not people. Not if the price is that I have to consider him Ke'ilu a. Uh, uh, a citizen of my country, even though I he doesn't live here. Kilo. I said consult him. I said take into account. You have to define consult. What does consult mean? Okay, that's fair. that's a, that's a limitation of the of the bill, and that's why it will never pass. It's an important limitation. It's, it's but, a very but, important okay, definition. So as long as we now agree that you think we should consult in some way to get input from, to reach out to, to try to understand the implications of with things that but, affect Jews around the world, because it does. And to think that we don't is 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 narrow and short sighted. We are the center of the Jewish world. That's what it is. And the, and the decisions that are made here, the decisions that are made in the halls of the Knesset affect Jews wherever they may be. That's the way it is. That's just the nature of the thing. Decisions made by some pakid in the tax authority, God only knows where, is going to affect some Jew in St. Petersburg somewhere. That's the way it is. They don't have a say in that. It's not the, I mean, maybe not the same way you and I do. But they shouldn't have a say? They shouldn't have a voice? One, I just one second. You, we're having two parallel conversations. One is a Jewish conversation, yeah, and one is a population conversation, primarily North America. Okay, and it's important to distinguish the two. I'll tell you why. Because the majority of Jews who are affiliated to North America have plenty of services who aren't waiting, holding their breath 
for the Rabbanot or individual services to, to meet their needs, for the most part, unless there's particular crises. Actually, they're just doing their thing and everything's okay. Think about Jews in Europe who actually are much more reliant on certain services here in Israel. So, again, are we talking about Jews who have significant influence on supporting Israel or creating governmental support? Then that's one conversation. It's which Jews are most reliant on the Jewish uh, state on a day-to-day -day basis? I'd say quite a lot of North American Jews, not at all. I'll ask you an interesting question. How many North American Jews have come to Israel? A lot, but there's plenty who haven't been here. Wait, so, uh, Johnny, what, what you are we have, discussing? You have, you have raised, okay, I'll tell you what we're discussing. You've raised the elephant in the room and why this is, an, um, why this is really an American bill. The elephant in the room is this. No, so why? I, I yeah. know it is. Wait, the, the elephant in the room is this. It. Britain's Jews are represented by and large by, by a rabbinate, or Jews on Europe, Jews in almost every country in the world are represented by a rabbinate. That's an official rabbinate that is recognized. Their rabbinic representatives, their Jewish representatives, are recognized by the official body of the state of Israel. Whereas in North America, the representatives of the majority, the vast majority of officially recognized Jews, are not recognized by the official body of the state of Israel. So you say, right, you know, in England they have services or they, they're the Israel services. Do you understand, could you imagine if you grew up in England and you knew that the government of the state of Israel doesn't recognize your rabbis and probably, and, and says all the time that they're not really sure if you're Jewish. Definitely the synagogue you don't go to is Jewish. And they question whether you're Jewish at all. You know, you know what your attitude would be towards not that rabbi, not that body, but the state? You know what your attitude would be? Go to hell. That's what your attitude right. would be. Okay, so I, then, I, Ruby, well, I'm asking I, you as an orthodox way, rabbi, totally would you, that, what do you do I then? I totally get that massive problem. What's right? your solution? So you, you're so, consulting with them. And they say... Okay, so I'm asking you now, Ruby. We do care about you. So now I'm asking you. We care. We care about reformed Jews. We care about conservative Jews, right? Now, now they're... Now so they're consulting. Really so I'm on all these rabbinic, I'm on a rabbinic internal email list where I try and literally beg them to stop fighting about reformed Jews. What do I want to happen? Do I want a law to change? I, I, I'm not going to get into whether the law should change, whether, you know, like, you know, the rabbis say, oh, but we only, maybe you're right about reformed Jews in Chutzlaretz where you have to really reach out to them, but we're worried about their their, their, in, their, their inroads in the state of Israel, which we want nothing to do with. And, and, and so they say Israel is different than the diaspora. And this is the issue. Because while you say Israel is different than the diaspora, they're hearing you over there. And what you say over there affects, what you say here affects them over there. What I really want to happen, I want them to stop talking about it. I want them to sit and meet with them. I want them to do exactly what Rabbi Lama did and sit and recognize them as people yeah. and reach out to them and say, we're not going to agree. There are things we're not going to agree about. But we can work together on a ton of things. We can try to find ways in order to do Ishurei Yahadut for your people that make Aliyah and ways that are make a, make a board of rabbis that will come together and everyone will agree that they're only going to allow a certain kind of... You know what I'm saying? There are, there are things you can do. There are many, many things you can do if you at all have any desire or care about these people. Okay, to that so I agree with 100%. Is, That's, I think, a very, very I don't very think anybody, like you point. said... There's like no awareness that what I do here, not my, I know what I do here. There's no awareness that when the chief rabbi of the state of Israel gets up and makes some defamatory remark, more Jews in America will, 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 will not intermarry, I don't know about intermarry, but they'll disassociate themselves from the Jewish people by, by very definition. And so what I want them to do, I want them to stop talking. That's really what I want them to do. Well, so I don't would add, about it. I agree with you. So stop talking and also start learning. Right, which just comes back to the beginning, which is, in a very respectful way, interact with these people. That's I think we're all calling for the same thing, which is dialogue, which is why I think the word consult it scares people, and the fact that it's a bill scares people because what it, what it introduces is, wait, does this mean you're going to pull influence, and then people get frightened? Are you you know, they become very territorial about you know who gets to decide political things. But what you're saying, I think we could all agree on. Certainly, the three of us can agree on, is is dialogue, communication, learning, understanding, hearing, and trying to find solutions that will actually work. I agree with you 100%. We don't live in a time of political dialogue, though. That's the problem. That's the problem. We, we live in a time of...
divisiveness and extremity, eh, I don't, I don't see us, I don't, I don't see a solution. I really don't, because as you said, people have no, people are speaking, you know, about straw men. They raise these straw men that are going to destroy the Jewish fabric of the nature of the state of Israel, and then if that, then there's nothing to talk about. And then rabbis get up on like on email lists and talk about how you know how terrible it is and how you know what are you going to do, Johnny? You came from a place that doesn't recognize liberal Jews. Is that kind of is that kind of? I can I can, well, sorry, I don't understand. I came from a place that doesn't recognize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, state of the, the rabbi, the chief rabbi in England, does not recognize or. I came from a I I came from a country which has a chief rabbi who don't. Right. I recognize lots of people. Uh, you know, <laughs> you recognize, recognize people. Yeah. Um, so I'm asking you, no, no, it's not you, you're not responsible for this, but what is the response of the liberal wing of the, of the liberal arm of Judaism in the United Kingdom vis-a-vis -vis not only its, its own relationship with the chief rabbinate, with the official rabbinate, but with the state of Israel as well? How, does it, how do the decisions taken by the chief rabbi affect Jews in England? Okay, so I, I think to even answer that, we just have to take a moment and, and, and reflect on where the chief rabbinate is and where it should be, yeah? If you're asking me, do I think Orthodox Jews, let alone Masorti Jews or Reform Jews or Liberal Jews, are they pleased and thrilled by sometimes decisions and proclamations by the chief rabbinate, certainly in the last 15 to 20 years? I think most would say no. Right, but still they keep on coming to Israel. Still they keep on having an affiliation to Israel. It's a small community, and and because of the the distance, there's generally strong connections and family ties. I, I mention that because of my prior comment. But returning to your question, are we judging the chief rabbinate, or are we talking about the state of Israel? Because I can tell you, the chief rabbinate made fundamental mistakes for the last uh, sixty years. Fundamental mistakes. It's not just to do with the non-orthodox fundamental mistakes to do with the use uh, and at times uh, misuse of Jewish law, which has fractured the Jewish people within orthodoxy, let alone beyond orthodoxy. Just think, just remember, Rav Aliashiv used to be a chief rabbinate rabbi. Okay, it was because of mistakes made and decisions taken within the chief rabbinate that there was a fundamental fracture in the modern state of Israel, such that there are basically two parallel systems in one respect or another. So, uh, do I think the way things are, the way things should be? Nope. But if you're saying to me that we should create a dynamic between diaspora jury and, and Israel because a rabbinate is flawed so that one feels less aggrieved by the other, that seems dumb. That, that, you're not fixing anything. You're taking a bad system and you're trying to say, let's try not to ruffle your feathers so much by appeasing you by doing a whole bunch of other things. Fix the system. Understand that right now there have been too many decisions made, which is simply wrong. Simply wrong, just not from non-Orthodox standards, from Orthodox standards. And once you prepare to acknowledge that and start making meaningful change from within, then you have a chance. If you don't do that, no matter how much you appease and listen and ask people to make suggestions and say we're going to consider it, what you're simply saying is, you are so cheesed off by the religious voices in the state of Israel. Since we can't change that, we decided to make your voices also count. I don't think that's smart, right? That's not, just, that's not a question of whether I'm orthodox or not. I just think that's not good management of systems that should be working much, much better. Yeah, I guess you're right, except I don't think that's just not possible. It's just not possible. Oh, well, crying out. So instead, what we're saying is, come fixing issues that need fixing. We're going to create a whole bunch of problems which are going to alienate the citizens of the state of Israel. Come on. That's just silly, right? That just doesn't work. It doesn't wash, because what we've actually kind of said is there's a large population, mostly in North America, who feel deeply grieved and deeply distant. And rather than actually change the way people talk about them and relate to them, we're going to give them at least an opportunity to con give consultation opinion, right, and suggest certain... No, no, no. So how do you get people... Uh, I, you say fix the system. How do you get people to change the way they talk about them? How do you do that? How would Who's you they, do that? First, to find they and they, sorry. You mean is Israeli yeah. institutional rabbis? Correct. About How do you get jury? them to stop talking about that? Okay, so so let's just. I go just want back them to, to stop talking issue. about it. I don't. I don't. I can't change your attitudes. Let's go back to the whole issue of Rav Melamed, which I wrote a piece just last week. It's a really simple thing. Yeah, 
And Rav Malamud, by the way, if you actually read what he said, he wasn't that complimentary. He said, I don't think what they're doing is Judaism, but they're family. And that distinction is really a simple one. Either you view Jews who practice Judaism radically different to you as family or not. You're not going to agree, right? And if you'd ask, by the way, Rami Lamad, do you think that this Jew outside of Israel, especially, right, who has a altogether different approach to Jewish practice, Jewish law, and Jewish identity, should be making decisions of the state of Israel? He'd say, are you kidding me? Right. Like, but what he's saying is, but I, I, that conversation is one in which... In fact, I'll, I'll just, I, I'm not going to search it in my computer, but he, I'll tell you something that he said, and these are my words, but uh, whoever wants to quote, I'll gladly share it to you. I think it was from an Aretz article, translating from an interview. He said, the only way I'm able to uh, criticize, rebuke, and challenge non-orthodoxy with legitimacy, in which I do so harshly, is also because I love them. In fa basically, what he's saying is, I... If I don't actually demonstrate a legitimate care, then everything else I say is also meaningless. The problem about the rabbinate here in Israel is there's, there's little care and, and very, very strong, strong arming with at, time, at times reflecting not even non-national but non-international uh, sensitivities and sensibilities. So Tachlis is you've got to make a choice. This isn't about influence. You're right, it doesn't need to be about power. It doesn't need to be about money. It's a question of, do Jews in Israel see Jews outside of Israel as family? We've said, yes, many times, brought Jews from the former Soviet Union, brought Jews from Ethiopia, we widened our doors, and Jews was, uh, who can prove to have a, a Jewish grandparent, you get straight away uh, uh, Jewish, uh, Israeli citizenship. The question is, do you still feel that that's enough to demonstrate you being part no, of the I, I think what you raised is what I brought up at the very beginning, and you brought it up, you, you say it very well. I think that when it comes to we're here for you, we care about you, but only here. Meaning there's a lack of understanding of, of what's my, do I have a responsibility to you while you still choose not to come here? I mean, you're making a choice. You want, you want, you care about Israel. Which to my mind, Make to know, of course we do. But if, but of if, course we but, do. But, but that's exactly what I'm saying. I think that in the collective psyche, I think in the collective psyche of Israelis, like, like I, was, I was mentioning this point to somebody else. He says, why are there no, there's only one full-time reporter, his name is Tzvi Klein. There's only one full-time reporter in the Israeli press that, that reports on, on like Jews in the diaspora. You know why? Because they would have more if people would read the articles. But people only read articles about Chutzar, it's about two things. One, anti-Semitism, how terrible it is in Chutzar. And two, when, when Israelis, you know, make you read and think life is better for them in Chutzlaretz. But other than that, if it's not connected, really, go look, look, at, the, look at when you read the media. If it's not connected right, right. to one of those two things, Israelis are just not interested at all. Wait, but can because I they to don't that? think about life. They think that Jews who choose not to live in the state of Israel, they're making an active choice. And yes, you're my family. I'm happy when you come here. Or when I go visit you and you can take me shopping. But other than that, <laughs> other than that, you know, okay, whatever. It's all good. Molly. Okay, I just want to respond by, by uh, these quotes that Johnny sent by, uh, by Rabbi Sachs. And really, when he wrote it, what I, what I wrote was, Chaval al-Dabdin velo, what's the last word? Velo, velo, velo nishkachim. Mishtachim. Mishtachim. Right? Meaning, it's like Rabbi Sachs, he just, he nails it. Right? So he basically says, Two things, two answers to your question. Um, one is agreeing with you. Israel does not negate the diaspora because Judaism is a matter of holy lives as well as holy places, right? And, and from that perspective, you're 100% right. Jews in Israel should care about Jews in the diaspora. And, and, and diaspora Judaism is important and, and valuable and should be cared about beyond just did you make Aliyah, did you not make Aliyah, um, the things you said, right? We are a family and you're yeah, a family I'm no not, matter... I'm not saying what should be, I'm saying what is. I'm right, and I'm saying you are correct that that should shift. At the same time, he says the, the following, okay? Um, For Jewish peoplehood to be a concept that embraces a continuity of Jewish life, past, present, and future, there must be an asymmetry between Israel and the diaspora. The asymmetry between a permanent home and a temporary dwelling. The, that Jews have spent the vast majority of their history away from home and that most Jews today do not live there neither compromises nor contradicts the facts that Jewish life is a life lived towards Israel. 
Um, okay, fine. And then he says a few more beautiful things there. But I think that that's legitimate as well and important, right? It's it's not insane that Israeli Jews view Israel as the center of Judaism. That's legitimate, um, and and I think it's it's like historically true. It's 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 certainly true in our scriptures and in our tradition, right? And then that's why you guys made Aliyah at the end of the day, right? So, so to pretend that that's not true wouldn't be fair. At the same time, the, the other truth that you're saying is true as well, which is, okay, it might be true that this is home and that's not home. But while people are living, and it's actually a really interesting question about like, how do you view diaspora? Do you think that like, while there's a state of Israel, there should always be a thriving diaspora living happening concurrent that's a, happening that's a really fundamental question, just fascinating question and and i didn't used to think so and now i'm starting to think yes i think maybe there is always a place for above el along with an eretz israel but again i won't go off off field but what i will say is that therefore the, the jews the diaspora jewry demands respect in that way I, I don't mean that they're demanding respect i'm saying we right. should respect them in that way and that's what you're calling for and i think that that is very true and if we start from that basis of of, of, I agree with you, not this dismissive attitude, but a real respectful attitude and an appreciation and understanding there's so much to gain and learn and, and a real, as Johnny said, love and sense of brotherhood and sisterhood, that will be, that's where the solution will come from. So I want, I want to actually uh, echo something that Daniel Gomez wrote in a response to a post he wrote to me today. He said, and I hadn't thought about this before, he said, it's not just the richness of life. How many Israelis have gone to Chutzla Arts to learn about what it means to be a Jew? I mean, like, you know, Naftali Bennett says that. He said, well, I never well, learned how to be a Jew this. until I went to New York. That's right. But it's like, uh, it's See, shocking and unbelievable. It it's, yeah. uh, there's a lot of, but there's a lot of truth to it. He said, that that's first of all, because you learn about the importance of community, the power of community, the necessity of religiosity, things that you kind of take for granted. He said, in addition, you know, the, 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 the survival of the day of Jasper Jewry is dependent upon just constant innovation, constant change, a constant willingness, the need to be flexible. You know, it's really like, we'll think about, like we have to think about this, about COVID, about the responses that they're having, how the Jewish community can respond, how flexible they have to be, just because if not, they're gonna go away. And it makes me think, you know, when you talk about, about monopolies or governments versus small communities, you know, there's, there's an inherent weakness inherent in being, in being the, the giant and having this sense of, Permanence. No matter what I do, we're still going to be here in the end of the day. We'll still be the largest Jewish community in the world. So it doesn't force you to be nimble and to be to be you know to care that much about about the, the, the things that you do in Judaism, the changes you make, the communal structures you have. You just kind of go along, and uh, I, I think that's something that maybe Israel needs to needs to emphasize more. You know, look at these models of community that arise. Look at these look at this passion that arises. You know, it almost like. How many Jews, for whatever reason, we always we brought it up before, we said, you know, the Breslovers going to Uman. If you tried to build Uman in, I don't know, in the Negev somewhere, try to make Burning Man in the Negev, it just wouldn't work. For whatever reason, it just wouldn't work because there's so much, I don't know, there's something else going on there. But when you take those same people and you fly them two and a half hours or somewhere in the middle of, you know, in the middle of, in the middle of, uh, of Ukraine, everything changes. Johnny, I'll let you, I have the last word, and then we'll go to... Hamlatzot. Yeah, I'm so excited. So uh, I sent a couple of quotes from Rabbi Sachs. There was a third one, which I was about to share with you, and then you said those very wide words from yourself and from Daniel. Uh, and so I just want to uh, read this last quote. It's a little long, but it's powerful. And here Rabbi Sachs is using the motif of Rav Soloveitchik of, of Goel and Yehud, fate and faith, the way he translates it. And he says, in Israel, Jewish life is a community of faith. There, Jews, from the most secular to the most pious, suffer equally from war and terror and benefit equally from prosperity and peace. Judaism in Israel is a presence you breathe, not just a religion you practice. In Israel, as nowhere else, Jewishness is part of the public domain in the language, the landscape, the calendar. There you can stand amid the ruins and relics of towns that were living communities in the time of the Bible and feel the full astonishing sweep of time across which the Jewish people wrestled with its fate as Jacob once wrestled with the angel. And there you'll become conscious in the faces you see, in the accents you hear, of the astonishing diversity of Jews from every country and culture brought together in the great ingathering as one. In, in Ezekiel's vision, the dismembered fragments of a broken people joined together and came to life again. And this is the last bit that I want to focus on. 
That is why for diaspora Jews, spending time in Israel is an essential and transformative experience of Jewish peoplehood. My birthright, the American program aimed at sending all young Jews to Israel, is so successful. At the same time, he then adds, it is equally important that young Israelis spend time in the Jewish communities of the diaspora. There they discover what it is to live Judaism as a covenant of faith, something many of them have never fully experienced before. And so what he's saying is, they are different lived experiences. Johnny, are you proposing reverse that. birthright that Israeli college students should spend a semester in England? In the Jewish but, community? Firstly, the only problem is they wouldn't go to the Jewish community. They would all like migrate to the Israelis and... Uh, no, it's and like I, when the Makoch boys go to MTA. Ah, the Makoch boys going to MTA, yes. But, it, you know, interesting question. Right, he, he's, he's basically saying, and, and it goes back to really Tita Friedman's uh, whole proposition. If we're going to make the government to make it that the government has to listen to opinions outside of Israel about telling them what to do, that again, I don't, I don't think you're actually fixing things. You're certainly not strengthening identities. What you're going to do is highlight in a much, much stronger way areas of division and disagreement. Here, what he's saying is there should be people movement. Now, there's been the greatest people movement to Israel. That's why it's Israel. Um, but there are people in Israel who should go to outside of Israel and understand what's happening there, not just as shlichim, not just as teachers, but also as learners, mm -hmm. because they'll learn things. And there are amazing things that happen in communities very different to the ones I live in. And we should talk about them and celebrate them. And through having those personal connections, people feel reassured. And I think in previous decades, where the state of Israel has sent people to the diaspora, it's been more as if to say, we're going to tell you about our country. And if you are wise enough, you'll follow us. Uh, that's not what Rabbi Sachs is endorsing, and I don't think that's the right model for certain people. So it is kind of a reverse birthright for, the, for a certain small group of people to identify those people and to put them in frameworks where they can really experience and learn about a Jewish community. Yes, Ms. Amashu. Yeah. Maybe rabbis, by the way. Do, I find that many, you, many yeah. commun communal rabbis are very provincial, and they would do, they would do well to have some experience of, of uh, Chutzlar's Jewry. Broaden them in many All ways. right, we'll stop, but we'll leave it here. There's much more to, to say. If you uh, live in Chutzaretz and want to uh, consult with us and give us your Im implication or give us your, uh, your, your input, we're not interested, like the government. Oh, no, we are interested. Please send us an email. <laughs> <laughs> we're always interested. We actually like feedback very much. We get it all the time. I get WhatsApps and emails, and we're really happy to hear from you. Um, let's go to Hamlatzot. Molly. What do you have to recommend for us this week? Okay, I had two. So I'll tell you what the two are, and then I'll just focus on one. They're both music, uh, recent musical um, songs, videos that came out in Israel. Um, one is called is Omane Yisrael. It's a song called Shmoralai. And the other is the latest song by Haran Ben-Ari called Amen Al Hayeladim. And I, I thought they were both fascinating because they're a great um, window into the... Um, the cultural renaissance that's happening in Israel in many, many, in, in different ways. So I think I'll save Amin al-Hiladim for if we have the conversation that I want to have about parenting in the modern era, because um, it's, a, again, if you want to look at it, you can look at it. It's a, it's, it's just beautiful. I also, I'd like to do a podcast about Hanan Ben-Ari. I think he's an amazing person. Um, but, but I'll do that. Song, Maybe we can invite him on. That'd be cool. Oh, my gosh. That would be amazing. Um, I have tremendous respect for him as an artist, as a, as a thinker, and as a human being. Uh, but if you watch the song and you listen to the words, the the um, the messages about how we should how we should and and hopefully as a society do view our children is extremely moving and and very heartening to me. But I'll I'll just say a few words about this other song called Shmorali. It's a bunch of again, it's just called Omane Yisrael, right? Uh, Jewish um, artists. Artists. They're not, musicians. Uh, they're musicians. They're not, uh, some might wear kippot, some don't wear kippot. They're not particularly religious, but the song is a very religious song. The song is about, um, it, it's about feeling lost and alone and, and, and calling upon God as a source of, of, of strength and connection. And, and the fact that it's not a religious song, it's a Jewish cultural song that's meant to reach across all divides within Judy, within Israel. And it's an Israeli song. I find that, fascinating and beautiful and i think it it's again it's a window into this phenomenon that i think is very healthy i i think is healthy in israeli society where where um where spirituality slash religion right judaism is being more and more celebrated 
in a way that's not threatening, right? All the horrible things that you were talking about, this is maybe perhaps the antidote to that. So that's, that's my Hamletza. Harab Johnny. Uh, I'll be quick. Um, I, I choose that had an insane week, so I'm going to give a Hamletza, which is a pretty well-established program called Daf Yomi. We just finished my second ever <laughs> this week. Um, uh, Daf Yomi, I hadn't started until this year. Truth be told, I had very mixed feelings about kind of just dipping into a page which deserves much, much more time than most people, even I, can give to it. But it's been uh, a genuinely an anchor through this really tough year. Uh, Dafyomi has given me stability. Every morning I spend basically two hours learning, writing something about Daf. And uh, many, many men and women around the world, I think, have weathered this storm of COVID a little bit better because they've had the Daf to hold on to. And so we just started Psachim. If you're interested, feel free to join. Okay. Um, I'm going to recommend my Amletza is, well, right now I'm, I'm doing my um, master's thesis. Hopefully it will end eventually on Etrog. And I got this really unbelievable tiny book called Etroge Eretz Israel by Professor Zohar Amar. So if people don't know him outside of Israel. My Amletza is Professor Zohar Amar, who is a professor for Eretz Israel studies. You should just go on his website. He... Anything about Israel, about Shiva Minim, about the state of, about the land of Israel, he's done research on it, knows everything there is to know about it, and has written about it. And uh, like he, this this little booklet, Etrogate Eretz Israel, it was self-published. Fascinating, fascinating. Uh, tells the tale of the, the of the 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 debate and dispute about the growing of Etrogim in, in the land of Israel in the late uh, 19th century. Um, but Zohar Amar, that's my, that's my Hamletzah for this week. All right, we'll wrap it up here. Um, I want to thank Malibrevsky, Rabbi Johnny Solomon, Rabbi Malibrevsky for your input. If you have comments or questions, as I said, please send us an email, send us a WhatsApp, send us a telegram. That's a service. Or you can actually, can you send a telegram anymore? Stop. I don't know. Uh, please rate <laughs> our podcast on Apple Music. And even more so, if you feel the so inclined, share something about it on your social media, share a thought about it, share an idea, share and share alike. I want to thank my son Patachis Bolter for our music and wish everyone a wonderful week. Stay safe, everyone.